What's your favorite scary movie? I'm scared to close my eyes. Yeah, I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. Knows what scares you. I'm your number one fan. I am Jackie. Have you checked the children? children? children. I have such sights to show you. Sometimes. Welcome back to Critiquing the Creeps, the podcast where I bully my friends into watching horror movies with me. I'm your host, Danielle, and back again is your one, the only, Amy Quinn. Hey, Amy. <laughs> hey. Welcome yeah, back. Yeah. Did you think this was ever going to happen again? <laughs> oh, I always knew. <laughs> I had this thing called work and life and shot a couple short films and everything got in the way. But we're back yep. a year later. Life, as they say, does come at you fast. It does. And it did. <laughs> the movie we're talking about this week, House of the Devil. The, on- the only H of the D worth caring about in this house. I'm going to be real. I-, I watched the shit out of Hot D. <laughs> like, I was watching we, it every We all... We all did. <laughs> we we all did. What's what's not to love about fantasy incest succession? It honestly, dragons, feet. Yes. Picks. What else do you want? That's all a show needs. <laughs> this is a, a little bit of an indie. So let's get into a little bit of the history of it. So the plot follows our main girl, Samantha, as I drop thing, who needs some money to get like her apartment because she needs to move out of the dorms. So she takes a sketchy but well-paying babysitting gig much to like her friends like warnings like this is a bad vibe and then the plot goes from there (laughs) yeah hijinks ensue i think is the parlance this was i think a i think it was only about nine hundred thousand dollars which in movie money is not that big of a budget for the rest of us it's a lot of money honestly it feels like it could be a student film economic it is with its locations and also the fact that like the first half of it is just on a college campus Mm -hmm. yeah and it was shot in connecticut and a lot of the crew and actors were locally sourced from connecticut to save some money i'm gonna be real horror movie set in connecticut that's just connecticut it is a land bespoiled and abandoned the eternal worm cannot come for it soon enough Gesundheit. The film itself, it premiered at Tribeca, which is pretty good for a, a person's first feature. Uh, it was shot on 16 millimeter, uh, which I couldn't figure out what camera it was shot on or what lenses. But I'm probably just going to assume like it was probably shot on Kodak. I know Fuji was still around at the time, but it was already being kind of phased out. But the, like I could not find any history on that. The 16 millimeter look on it is great, though. It, it very much like captures that like kind of, you know, like just very cheap 70s, 80s horror film vibe. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I absolutely love the look of 16 millimeter. I actually got to use a 16 millimeter camera last um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a couple weeks ago. I shot a, a shot oh, hell yeah. on. Oh, yeah. Millimeter. Congratulations. Yeah, it was really fun and a little scary. (laughs) Let's get into this a little bit. Um, What's your background knowledge of Ty West? I'm going to say not a lot. I saw one of his uh, films, The Innkeepers, I think it was, when it came out. And I wasn't super big on it, but like I was a little burned out on like the whole like paranormal activity, like haunting trend at that time. So... I think if I went back on it, I probably, you know, 
I might give it a better, more of a fair shake. Yeah, it's the one I haven't seen because I went through like a VHS phase like last month and I was going through all those um, films because he was in the, I think he was in the first one. I will admit I was not able to get through ABCs of Death. I tried. I really tried. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do need to check out his newer stuff, which. Oh, yeah, no, I need to check out Pearl, I think it is. And X. I still haven't checked out that. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I've heard good things about them. So, yeah, this is uh, his first film, Mr. Ty West. What are your thoughts on our main character, who um, is Samantha, played by Jocelyn Donahue? So, uh, on the one hand, I I am like, girl, 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 get out of there. But on the other hand, you know, as a wage slave in late stage capitalism, I get it. (laughs) $400 in 1980s money. Well, her apartment was like, what, 300 bucks? Yeah. But yeah, no, I spent a lot of the film just being like, oh my God, you're so dumb. Get out of there. (laughs) I was like yelling at the screen. And then I think like halfway through, like I stopped rooting for her and I feel so bad about it. (laughs) Basically the plot of the film, she slowly is like getting this babysitting job. And like, there's like that weird thing where like you have the certain things where you can tell the guy on the phone who hires her is like testing her. Like how Mm -hmm. desperate is she? But like, hi, um, I'll hire you. We'll meet here. And then doesn't show up. So like later when he calls back and she still wants the job, it's like a test to see how desperate is she and how much will she ignore all of the red flags. Uh, see, and this, I think, speaks more to my experience as a, as a capitalist wage slave. I did just genuinely think he was just having a weirdly bad time finding a sacrifice. <laughs> I did just think he was bad at his job. <laughs> because again, I... I definitely also would would especially when I was in college. Like God, I I, I would probably have looked past how fucking sketch this was. Like, no, like I'm gonna be real. The moment I got there and I'm like going, he's like, "I'll pay you double." I'm like, "Okay, I don't trust that." I've done enough like low key like sketchy film jobs where I'm like, "There's a gut thing where you just go, here's where I run. I don't even think about what I would have made." Okay, yeah, that definitely is the point where she should have run. She, like she came in for a babysitting job, and then he's like, "Oh, it's it's not like I don't actually we don't actually have a baby. It's about like take, watching after my old mother." I'm like, "That's when I would have bolted." The best case scenario is that like this couple is pulling like a Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf situation, and the mother doesn't exist. That was best case scenario. Yes. <laughs> But worst oh. case scenario, well, pretty much what happened. I can't imagine it getting much worse than that. Yeah, I don't think there was a worse case scenario than getting like sacrificed to be like the mother of the Antichrist, I'm assuming. Becoming the devil's baby mama, I think, is basically the worst way a job can shake out. Yeah, she got Rosemary's babied by a gig. Yeah. So, like you said, she had a ride and like. The thing that's super suspicious is like the dude is like, oh, I can't pay another person. But he also immediately doubles. And he was already like paying her like like he, he was like throwing in like an extra hundred bucks. Yeah, like, yeah. to me, that's like, it's like red flag girl. Uh, her friend played by a cl- acclaimed 2023 hit director of Barbie Greta Gertwig. <laughs> just she definitely sees for all of this. She is just like, fuck this. Get the hell out of here. She's the best and, character. Oh, no, she she is just a scene stealer, like completely. Oh, I'm going to be real. Like, I kind of got like 
the movie lost a lot of its momentum when like Ty West shoots her in the face because the actor who yeah. plays the character who shoots her in the face is the director. That's that's messed up. I know. God right? forbid women do anything. <laughs> and apparently that was her first day of shooting too. Like that was day one. We're gonna blow your face yeah, off. The fir- first day of shooting will be your first day of shooting. <laughs> but like her character is like this has just enough not like not to have a filter where she just says what she sees and it's so fun. She's like, no, you need to leave. It's not safe. I will give you the no, money. I'll I, ask my dad. Just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, she she gave you an out. It's it's like Breaking Bad. It was never about the money. No, it was a little bit about the ego. It was a little bit about, yeah. Like, I get it. You don't like to ask for money. I, I get it. I get it, girl. She's painfully, terminally awkward. And I mean, I've been there. Mm-hmm. She's so fun, though. <laughs> like, like again, I, I have to own up to how easy it would be to entrap me in a devil's sacrifice because I would also probably fall for this. That actually really worries me, Amy. That like really like worries me <laughs> that you cannot pick up on this. <laughs> oh, I, I can pick up on this. I'm just like, is it worth it, though? It never is. $400 in 1980s money. She should have just taken the 200 and ran. Yeah, there there is a point where it's like, okay, at this point, your only option is to just flee into the woods in terror in upstate New York. And that won't end well for you, but you should still probably try it. Yeah, at least you won't be like drinking some random old lady blood or being drugged by a pizza. Should not have ordered that pizza. I was just like, no, don't order the pizza. Don't eat the pizza. The pizza bit is fascinating to me because it's clearly the brother like on the phone, right? Like, yeah, it's the same guy that shot Greta Gerwig and is the yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's like the 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 son cultist. Like, it's clearly just like a setup. Like he goes weirdly into the bit of being a pizza guy. Like he has a whole routine that he does. Uh, I think that's a I don't know the name of the film, but I know it's a reference to a Patrick Dempsey movie for some reason. Oh, yeah. No, it's oh, yeah. No, he he's he's doing like his 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 cutesy little movie references, like which I guess makes sense if it is Ty West. But it's it's just very funny to me to imagine how hard he goes into like the role of pretending to be a bored pizza delivery guy. In between murdering Greta Gerwig and hiding her body. And stealing her cigarette, which was the most unforgivable part to me. I know. He stole her car, too, technically, as well. Yeah. And then we got Little Women. Dominoes. This movie has a lot of fun, like, roles of people you wouldn't be expecting in it. Yeah. But like I said, it, it, it feels like it should be, like, a weird little student project. But at the same time, it's like... Yeah, you got Greta Gertwig, you got Tom Noonan, like... You got Dee Wallace for a day. Yeah. <laughs> As she, the she weirdest was landlord ever. Yeah. She feels so much like a side character from The Room, like in just how weirdly overdeveloped her character is. I mean, they got Dee Wallace. They had to do something yeah. with her. <laughs> they only had her for a day. I love that she's in the credits. Mm-hmm. Like, just like, it, it, it feels like a sitcom. Oh. Like it's like and D Wallace is the landlady. <laughs> My favorite thing when watching the credits was the that Lena Dunham was the bitchy 911 operator. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that made me cackle. <laughs> no, um, like Lena Dunham is a person that I probably should have an opinion on, but I never watched girls, so I don't. Honestly, we're not gonna get into it, but like Yeah. Just the character alone. What the fuck, Lena Dunham? 
Someone calls 911. <laughs> you send someone. You send someone. Yeah. Uh. I, I am nodding blankly. <laughs> but yeah, no. All, um, all I know is the best girl was Adam Driver. Or what's that one that's in Get Out who plays awful people, like, also in The Perfection and that new Megan movie that I'm totally going to probably break my no theater streak with? <laughs> Worth it. No, I'm I'm here for it. You know what? That's my issue with all creepy doll movies. They don't go in for it the way that Megan looks like it's going in for it. They need to commit to the bizarreness. They need to go full Chucky, yeah. man. Megan does a Fortnite dance. Exactly. What's not to love? And know what they say about uh, Chucky? Chucky says gay rights. It's true. <laughs> he canonically does, and it rules. I need to watch the new show. I haven't done it, yes. but like I understand they're like definitely like fixing some of the bits with Glenn Glenda. But like mm-hmm. for the time period, I think it was very forward thinking. I think it's the only horror franchise also that's like helmed by a gay person. Hell yeah. Sorry. Good, that was my Chucky tangent. Yes. This has been the Chucky zone. I weirdly think those movies are actually fantastic. No, they're peak cinema. They only become peak cinema after they go nuts with like Bride of Chucky and like Seed of Chucky. The Chucky cinematic universe. Canonically, there's multiple Chuckies. Have you not seen Cult of Chucky? (laughs) You have called my Chucky cred. That's okay. It's okay. One day. I haven't done. I don't think I've actually picked a franchise for this ever. Have I? Done a franchise on this podcast? I don't think I have. I think the closest thing I did was a conjuring. But let's like talk about the aesthetics. Oh, it's so good. I know I mentioned that like they shot on 16 millimeter, which I love. I absolutely love 16 millimeter and I have not I totally haven't been doing a ton of research into it lately or anything like that mm. because I was shooting on it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but like the look of it, I love that you can see the grain in a way that you can't see, like, the 35 millimeter. No, it's true. I talk about the differences. I always go, okay, first two seasons of Buffy versus later half of Buffy. First two seasons, 16. Everything else, 35. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. how you can tell the aesthetic differences right then and there. Oh, absolutely. And it's got a charm to it. Hot take, film grain is good. Get over it. Oh, yeah. No, like, not a hot take. Actually, like, we're coming back to it. They actually are, like, building in stuff to certain cameras. Like, the new Area 35 has um, texture coming in so you can bake in film grain so they can't take it out of the grade. The whole thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that I was literally just about to say, put film grain in stuff that doesn't have it. No, it's actually what's happening. And I'm not going to go into it, but you can actually thank the film Tar as like the first kind of thing with everything. But they're actually bringing back film grain as something you can ba- bake into it. So LGBT icon Lydia Tar strikes again. <laughs> I need to see that film. I'm really behind on all of the films. I've like seen uh, nothing this year. Yes, no, I also I also yeah, I'm also way behind. I also haven't seen it. But I, I, I will unapologetically stand Lydia Tarr, which I'm sure won't come back to bite me in the ass once I watch it. I feel like Lydia Tarr is like supposed to be problematic. Yes. As a human being. She, but I don't know she, anything. <laughs> I just know how it's Kate Blanchett and I like I, I stand. That's that's all you need. <laughs> Sometimes uh, all you need in a movie is to see Kate Blanchett. Huge. But um, did you notice um, certain techniques they were using when they were filming? That kind of made uh, it feel like it actually was of, like, the early 80s. Because they were doing this thing whenever they would punch in. Modern day times, you'd see them do, like, a dolly. And they were doing a zoom shot. 
Yeah, no, it it definitely felt like back in high school, I watched a lot of like, like really trashy, like midnight movies. So like it really captured the feel of a lot of those. I'm going to say this. I think the opening credits is like one of my most favorite things that has come out in the past 20 years. <laughs> oh, it's it's so good. Literally once like this, just like just cheesy, like 70s style credit started. I'm like, it's going to be it's going to be impossible for me to truly hate this movie. Like no matter what happens after this, I'm like this is just such a, a good artistic decision. <laughs> Oh, that like freeze frame and the yellow text coming in? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Oh my God, my film brain was like, yes. <laughs> and the freeze frame uh, on the credits. <laughs> it's 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 so good. And like, I, I have definitely seen like actual like old timey horror films that are just exactly like this. I love it. Uh, I, I, I know it's a little gauche now uh, to like be like, oh yeah, the 80s. Because like, I think that wave is passing. But they never yeah. quite hit it right. Like I know the Stranger Things bought it in the mainstream, but I, every time a like revival thing, like didn't quite hit it. Like this hit my like lizard brain. I mean, there's a difference. Like I'm sorry, Stranger Things thinks it's so much better than the things that it's like. It's like we have all like very like artsy cinematic camera shots where it's like this is like very much trying to emulate the feel of it. Oh yeah, and I love that they just said. You know how we're going to emulate it? We'll just shoot out the same equipment and we'll use the same techniques. I don't know if they did this for this film because it was the same cinematographer that did X and um, Pearl at the same time. And I had to look into it. It was really hard doing research on this because it was such an indie. that uh, I think box office wise, they actually only ever made $100,000 before it went straight to VOD. But um, besides the point, it was really hard to do research. So I'd end up finding a lot of X articles and stuff. And how they were describing it yeah. to get that look, because I know X is also kind of going for that like 70s exploitation film vibe. They literally use the same kind of lighting. So there was very little LEDs on set. So I'm assuming they probably did the same thing using HMIs and actual traditional lighting. Yeah, that, that, that would make sense. Like, yeah, it definitely has the same kind of feel to it. I can't confirm this because I came up in conversation months ago and I don't remember exactly where it came from but there's a small chance they might have rented the equipment from my job back like a decade ago <laughs> oh ho, ho. so if they did i think i can figure out <laughs> exactly what lens they use and kind of what cameras they might have been using but i i can't confirm because this is like tangential like conversations <laughs> Oh, yeah. Just completely like reverse engineer it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I fully believe you. I know that you have this power. Yes, I, I, I've i gone deep research where I, uh, it, it's bad. I need to make sure I don't reveal certain information that I'm not legally allowed to. <laughs> but I want to learn. And that's how you learn. It's like, OK, this is how they did it, how they did it. And yeah. sometimes you have to know what they did if it's a modern day thing so you can um Make sure everything is working right and what they used. So I have to test it afterwards. I'm trying to be very oh, vague on what I do. <laughs> yes. There's another thing I really liked about it. And I went on a weird rabbit hole trying to figure out the answer to this. And I couldn't find, figure it out because I wanted to figure out what audio equipment they used. Ah. Um, I liked the fact. Did you notice when you were watching this that you didn't need subtitles? Like you could hear exactly what everyone was saying. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I like the fact that I could actually hear everything, which is really hard with modern stuff. So 
I wish I went into a deep rabbit hole to look into who, who the sound engineer was. Mm, no, yeah. <laughs> and his sound name. mixing is a dying art. It is. It's a very like like it's not done right anymore. And I think it's honestly not the sound engineer's fault. They engineer for surround sound, which nobody has unless you're fucking rich instead of doing yeah. it, which I think this was like around 2009. So they probably did it for stereo, which is what you should be doing for like anything yeah. with a standard TV. I don't have eight speakers in my house. Do you, Amy? I can barely afford two speakers. Exactly. But I think his name is um, Graham Resnick, the sound engineer. <laughs> and I have weirdly stalked him online, which is, I, I'm admitting this out loud to everybody. Because mm. I just really think it was a good sound design, especially like, yeah. even like, this probably wasn't him, but like the, the music choices and how they mixed with the audio. Like it just felt yeah. very clean to me. I liked how clean it was. Yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely very solid in like how it is mixed. And that is the end of my technical, like, ramblings. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I feel like a lot of this film, um, to transition, (laughs) uh, focused a lot on, like, the satanic panic of... Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Do you remember what the opening card said? Oh, yeah. Hold on. Let me... I think the opening card really set the tone of the film. I I should have written that down, honestly. here, Here it is. During the 80s, over 70% of American adults believed in the existence of abusive satanic cults. Another 30% rationalized the lack of evidence due to a government cover-up. The following is based on true unexplained events. It's it, it's it's very deliberately over the top. Which is hilarious and, because yeah. like if you actually know the history of it, n- not a single actual satanic panic. Like there was no yeah. satanic murders at all in the 80s. Never happened. Yeah, no, like it's it was entirely a moral crusade was a cru- like it, it was entirely about like, you know, evangelical groups like declaring things to be satanic and a danger to children as like a means of like pushing them out of like polite society, essentially like it like I think it is relevant to talk about because we're honestly going through a lot of that again like not to bring things down too much but like you know like the modern trend of like declaring anything involving like you know like transness or queerness it's like oh like this is grooming children this is like exposing children to sexual content like i think it's important to call like the satanic panic for what it is because it's important to understand that these people you know, like they keep doing this. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Would it be inappropriate for me to make this joke? <laughs> D- Go ahead. Drag queens are the new D and D because they're both annoying. Uh, excuse you. I like D and D. Yes, <laughs> I played Pathfinder for many years. I'm a good DM. Yes. No, I, uh, I've I've rolled my share of bones. I can't. I I, I speak with a heart laden with sin. Space, I think, has always kind of been there and always will be there. Yeah, no. As a trans woman, I'm allowed to have a complicated relationship to drag. At, I, As you should. As you should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, I feel like if some kids want to re- watch like a very well-dressed person, read them a children's yeah. story, I think we all should be down for it. But no, yeah, like this is the whole, like, the whole cross-dressing thing. It is about trying to get 
sorry, the whole like uh, drag queen thing. It's absolutely about just getting cross-dressing laws back on the books. Oh, absolutely. Which ties back into like the, the whole political structure of what the satanic panic was back in the day, especially when like they'd use that fear to cover up actual murders perpetrated by like, like, yeah, like it was a way of like, instead of dealing with a murder that was from like, or like a crime done within a uh, like um, a township or anything like that, they'd find an outside force to blame versus having to examine the internal things that caused the, I can't word. I've been drinking too much wine. I definitely get what you're saying. It's like, easier to say things are satanic than to examine like the societal issues that are causing these things like thank you it was it's it was and i'm sorry is like really easy for like white patriarchal institutions of power to like you know abuse people abuse children and like it's easier to put the blame on like satanism or gender ideology that's thank you by the way that yeah. was like what i was trying to ver- vocalize and could not oh yeah absolutely and i think like setting that as kind of what this film is aesthetically going for as like that kind of panic <clears throat> film i'm fine with it because it's like a bygone era by the time this came out with and it has a, i will admit it has a fun aesthetic yeah it's essentially Essentially, I'm like, I have a lot of things to say about like the idea of like the satanic panic, like because it is treated nowadays mostly as like a weird jokey thing. It's like, isn't it isn't it weird how like all like these people like freaked out about this thing over nothing? Like, you know, it's like the satanic panic, like, oh, the the Salem witch trials, like all that stuff. It's like, no, this this was about patriarchal systems of control. It actually made a comeback for, um, I don't know if you, uh, you probably dropped out of Stranger Things like most people in our age demographic. I know that, I know they did the Satanic Panic in season four. They did, and uh, it was one of the more interesting parts. I, I'm going to admit this. I fast forward anything with heart, um, with the cop guy in it. I just fast forward it straight through. A- absolutely valid. <laughs> To me, that's like, okay, so this is what we're solidifying the satanic panic on our modern day is thing is people saying D&T, D&D is anti-Christian laughing at it mm. versus being like, it was more than that. It was just just sort of like a smug liberalism of going like, look how silly these people were in the past or like just sort of blaming it on like a conservative ideology without understanding the harmful patterns that go into that conservative ideology it, it like it's like oh this is very silly but we would never believe that this now and you know meanwhile there are people who think that like you know hillary clinton is out there harvesting children for like their brain juices like it's like no uh, things are like oh we are just as bad with this type of thinking if not worse oh my favorite are the people that were like taking like horse anti-parasite shit for like oh yeah a little bit (laughs) like we're not we're not beyond that and it's always good to see the different flavors of what that looked like in the different decades my my favorite are the people who think all hollywood actors are secretly like part of a trans cabal except for elliot page who was a man pretending to be a woman and is now just a man 
Wait, that's an actual conspiracy? Transvestigators. It's like a whole thing. Like they are they they are they are convinced that no cis people except them are real, basically. What? Yeah, like it's 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 all got to do with like Baphomet worship. My mind, uh, I'm not online enough to even think that will cross my radar ever. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm terminally plugged into like these specific kind of ideologies as a survival mechanism. And it's been not great for my mental health. I'm not going to lie. Touch but, grass. Yeah. <laughs> It's good. I swear. <laughs> yeah, essentially, it's like at the end of the day, I don't like. I also don't really have a problem with like this film's interpretation of like satanic fanic stuff because, if I'm being honest, it's just so goddamn goofy. It's so fun. Like yes, on rewatch, I was able to appreciate the bloodbath more than my first time through because I was just like. I know this is going to sound bad, but I'm like, yes, deal with your stupidity. You asked for this, which I should not do. That's very victim blaming <laughs> of me. But mm. watching it in slow motion is very hard to do when you're like, like, okay, I was rooting for you. I really liked you. I liked a lot yeah. of the character traits you had. But watching you make every wrong decision ever has made me very mad at you. Yeah. And the second I, time... I, sorry. No, you you continue. I was going to say, in my second time through, like, I didn't have that, ooh, what's going to happen? I knew it was going to happen, so I was able to appreciate it more. And, like, the fun dance scene was way more fun for me the second time around. Yeah. And I think the actress, actually, um, she did that, choreographed that herself. Oh, yeah, no, it was very fun. And, like... It was a cute little risky business moment. Mm-hmm. And I liked a lot of the cinematography, like, just her just chilling outside of the student building, lying down, like... It had a lot of breathing room that I feel like a lot of films don't have, which I really yeah. enjoyed. No, like so much of this film is like build up and atmosphere, essentially. Oh, absolutely. And I really appreciated it. Which makes like those moments of escalation hit all the harder. Like like uh, when Greta Gertwig's character gets killed off like halfway through the film. It's just genuinely sudden and shocking. Yeah, I was mad about that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, thank God. The smart friend knows that this is bad. She is getting out of here. And then I'm like, oh, no. Why is the perspective still following her? I know. I was like, <laughs> I I know this sounds bad because it's the same way I watched. Um, what's that film? I know you did last summer. Oh, yeah. I was, like, rooting for Sarah Michelle Gellar in that film. Like, I'm like, no, I don't care about you, Jennifer Love Hewitt. You're not the main character for me. Sarah Michelle Gellar, you are my main character. That's what it was it like with me, like, my first watch through with the Greta Gerwig character. You were like, you're my Sarah Michelle this movie. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. She's just the cooler, worldlier friend with, like, just looking out for her painfully straight bestie. Oh, my God. And her being like, no, you... I'm like trying to be a good friend here and trying to get you out of the situation and you're being a dick about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so frustrating. No, she, uh, she, she deserved, she deserved better. And I am writing, I am writing her a, like a soft vibes lesbian college AU in my head. <laughs> uh, 
And it was really sad when you like, I think there's like a two second scene where she's like fleeing after she was drugged by the cult. Like she's fleeing them and you just see her like yeah. stumble through the kitchen and you just see like Gutter Goodwood's like no longer existing face on the floor. Yeah. Like it, it's it's a, just a really gruesome shot. Yeah. It's like the main character, like there's a moment where she's like, this is not right. The cars don't match up. The, the stories aren't matching up and she's still not getting out of there. Yeah, no, I'm. She is at the point where I do feel like a reasonable chance of escape has passed. Like, can stay in this house and hope things turn out or just flee into the wilderness of the Berkshires, I guess. There's this moment when she's, like, searching through the house. And, like, I think it's when she, like, knocks over the vase. And because she's turning on the lights and checking everything out. And when she knocks over the vase and she has to clean it up, she's starting to, like, piece the pieces. Like, wait a second, these photos don't match. And then she's about to check into the bedroom, and if she opened the door, she would have seen a satanic sacrifice of a child. Yeah, no, there's like the basement was unlocked. She goes, she like goes down in the basement, looks in, and it doesn't turn on the lights and leaves. And I'm like, that whole sacrificial setup had to be down there. They could not have set that up at all that time. No, that was already pre-set up. Yeah, she just didn't notice it because she was too busy grooving. She had her, she had her like headphones and her little Walkman. No, I, I, I love like just like all of the little bits where it's like, hey, this is kind of where it's like, like it's like, wait a minute, the furs are up here. They're not in the basement. Like she, like that lady said as an excuse. Why would you think they're in the basement in the first place? <laughs> no, another detail I like is just this is like clearly a two lived in house. If they just moved here. Oh, absolutely. There were so many red flags. Yeah, like that. Like there's one room with like fucking cowboy wallpaper and like soccer trophies in it. It's like this is clearly a child's room. Like this is clearly a not adult child's room. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> you're 100 percent right. Like the set design, like whoever did a lot of like the production like design I think it was probably real house and they probably just like decorated it. They did a fantastic job. Like, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone involved with this like film, you make the movies I want to. Specifically, I am a fan of any movie that like in the setup, like just very clearly establishes the dimensions of a house so that, you know, they'll be important, like in the finale. Absolutely. I want to talk about pizza. Yes, tell me about pizza, because this movie has a lot to say about pizza. It's it's true. There is a lot of pizza imagery. <laughs> like like there like it's just a very significant scene at the beginning taking place between the main girl and Greta Gertwig where they're talking in like, you know, like a, a shitty like off-campus pizza place. Like at the end, the pizza betrays her. She she is poisoned by the pizza. And it was foreshadowed because the pizza yeah. that she was eating at was also not good pizza. Exactly. Yeah. No, p- pizza is bad. <laughs> and like one of my favorite shots in the movie is the end of the pizza scene where it just lingers a little too long on like this like statue of a little Italian chef holding a pizza. Fun fact. That was actually in the pizza shop they were shooting at and they just happened. They wanted to get the shot when I saw it there. Oh, absolutely. If I saw that, I would put it in my film as much as possible. Oh, yeah. That was like, oh, my God, we have to put this in the film. (laughs) 
And so, so here's what I have to say about the pizza is that it is tied thematically to the eclipse. Oh yeah, I, I don't think we brought up the eclipse at all. Oh yeah, yes. Sorry, uh, in case we didn't, there is an eclipse. Yeah, there's a lunar there, well, eclipse. It's not a solar eclipse. It's a lunar eclipse. Yes, there is a lunar eclipse. It's where, very you know, essential. There has to be a lunar eclipse for her to get uh, demon pregnant. Yes, and they, they they specifically bought they specifically not bought the house. They murdered a family and took the house because it's the best place to view the eclipse. Absolutely. Like the shot of like the little pizza guy, he's holding like a margarita pizza, which is like all red sauce, like a blood moon. <laughs> no, I, I feel like it's actually a very solid, like little small film that has like the full theme throughout. And oh, absolutely. I also kind of like how mean it was. Like it loved its characters, but it didn't feel bad about being cruel to them. Oh, absolutely. Like the, bad things happen to these characters like the end of the movie is like genuinely so fucked up the film was mostly build up for a lot of it then you have like the last 20 minutes where it's a giant bloodbath where i think it's after that she gets drugged by the pizza and passes out like they have her in that like pentagram on the floor and just her dress is white at the beginning of like the sequence and at the end of the sequence it's completely red yeah no like the escalation is like absolutely insane to me like it's like like it's like again it's just so much build up and then just suddenly we're just going all out pentagrams just like tied like just tied spread eagle into a pentagram they're pouring blood from a goat skull into your mouth like like we're like they're they're in like fucking druid robes like i love the little detail when she escapes she has to pull the the gag and it just spits out all the goat all the blood it's not goat blood it's like old lady blood which is a trope that we need to talk about eventually but probably not in this episode about scary old women yes like uh, if if I if I've gotta knock the movie on like one thing, it's like I I I think like the reveal. It's like oh, like the the mother is actually like just like a weird, creepy old, deformed lady is a little iffy. Yeah, it's a trope that I get why you did it. It's two thousand and nine. Yes. I'm not gonna knock you on it. There's other films that have done it. Even films this year that I liked have done it. Looking at yeah. the barbarian. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm like, I'm willing to give this movie more of a pass just because it's kind of like, this is just something that happens really quickly into it. Like, there's not really enough time to get into it. Yeah, it was a 2009 film yeah. commenting on 1983 films. Like, yeah. I'm not going to get it. We weren't even looking at this trope, so I get it. Like, I'm not going to really go into it, but, like, creepy old ladies are a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, like, the the wife of the family, like, there's the whole thing. It's like, oh, like, she's wearing a, she's been wearing a wig, and, like, she has, like, weird patchy balding hair instead. So, like, there's a bit of that there, and it's a little bit iffy. Mm Mm-hmm. But I do like the fact, like, when she escapes, she's she basically in slow motion, like, she stabs the main guy. She mm. gets shot by a pizza boy. Yeah. But is still able but, to kill pizza boy. Which I, I do have to say, they need her to, to birth the devil. Why are you shooting at her? 
We've I mean, forgotten. It's his ego. Pizza Boy just shoots everybody. He shot Greta oh, yeah. Wig. Yeah, if, no, he's not a smart pizza, man. I had him shoot the pizza. Yeah, he's not a smart man. No. <laughs> it has this whole theme, like, it's just very mean to our main in a way that normally it would yeah. piss me off, but watching this film and how, like, totally it's very concise the entire way through at the end where she's like, pieces everything together, and instead of letting them have their win, she'd rather shoot herself in the head. Honestly, yeah, if it's between that and birthing the, the the spawn of the devil, like, I think that's fair. And then it doesn't even work. No, that's the part that makes me so sad. Like, yeah, she's like in a coma and still pregnant at the end. Like, she doesn't die. Yeah, no, it's it's so messed up and so dark. But like, it totally fit like in any other film. I think I would have been mad at it, but I'm like, I really like this movie. It's one of those movies I thought I'd turn on to be a fun watch and I would not think about it again. And then afterwards, I'm like, wow, I'm still thinking about this. I'm going to make Amy watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and the cycle begins anew. That's the whole point. This is why, like, this podcast happened with me being like, I need to somehow have someone to talk about these movies yes. with. I'm going to make just, Amy watch it. Just word. We just need to word vomit about this. Exactly. Uh, I, but yeah, I really like the film. Uh, I liked the soundtrack. I know I didn't talk about it, but it's very of the era. It's nothing like, there's no needle drops per se, because there's no, but like, it's all, I guess you have that one dance sequence, but it's not really a needle drop to me. Yeah. Like, it's not, oh, I, it's an 80s film. We have to play this song. It's more like, okay, it's an 80s film. We're going to have this kind of rock, more indie rock of the 80s play. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it It. it, it definitely, yeah, no, it, it feels tonally appropriate. So, yeah, I, I do think it's fucked up what happened to Samantha in this movie, but also uh, she did tap on the glass of a fishbowl, so maybe she did deserve it. I'm like, at, at I'm going to be real. I'm just, I'm just like Team Megan here. Megan deserved better. Come on, Greta Gerwig. She yeah, yes. Hasht- Sorry, I didn't catch research. Hashtag Megan deserved better. Hashtag Megan no, deserved hashtag better. Hashtag Megan deserves Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Put put Megan in Barbie 2023. Megan was a ladybird we desired all along. And I think this is normally where I would have you roll a dice. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about this. Yeah. Oh, do we want to give like a rating? Yeah. Oh, yes. We. I. I. have forgotten how we do this. I'm gonna be yes. real. Yeah. <laughs> well, we yeah, rate fine. the film on a scale of one to ten. Or did uh, we do one I to five? Did we do one to ten or one to five? Oh, we did one to ten. Okay. Then scale one to ten. Yeah, I think like a seven, seven point five, maybe. No, I vibe that. I vibe that. Um, yeah, like that. Yeah, I think seven. I think I would do the exact same rating as you actually. All right, yeah. We're on the same page here. No, it, it's it's just a perfectly enjoyable film. Like, I absolutely want to see this at a, like a midnight showing in a theater sometime. Yeah, and if you don't have access to a theater, it is on Shudder, the non-paid yes. promotion. <laughs> they don't pay me to say <laughs> this, but I love Shudder. Extremely unsponsored. It's Extremely just the one good streaming service. <laughs> no sponsors here. Just watch the movie. Hopefully, before you watch this entire podcast, check out the movie. Yes, please do. <laughs> Roll the film, Amy. Shoot, choose what the film the next is going to be for the podcast. I don't know if we'll have you on for it because I don't know what my schedule is or what it's going to happen, but roll away. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
I have a whole new um system for the rolling of the dice. I have a whole new table going. Fifteen. Fifteen. All right. It looks like the next um film that's coming up is actually going to be the nineteen ninety six classic, The Craft. Ooh. Which I'm excited for because I've been trying to get someone to roll this for a fucking year and a half now. <laughs> <laughs> this has been your satanic panic of the year. Good night, everybody. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan.